0: Well, good morning, afternoon, whenever you're watching this, everybody, it's great to be with you and uh, do another episode of The Deep Dive. How good is it to be back?
1: I know, it's great. It's it's
0: fantastic. And uh, we're looking forward to uh, going into the sermon and the passage that we looked at last week, which Kerry brought. And uh, with me today, I also have Josh. And I'm Caleb, in case you didn't know. But um, yeah, it's going to be great and we're going to look forward into going into it. And uh, this morning we're going to look at some questions that some people have already asked from your message, which is great because it means they're thinking about it. But also, if you have any questions, chuck them in the the chat because next week or even currently, we might try and answer them as we can. Uh, So let us know when that is, what that is, and we'll do our best to get back to them because that's the whole point of these is we want to help people understand deeper why it's in the Bible, what we're going about, and uh, actually to be able to present that for you. So please let us know. We won't be able to answer them unless you tell us. Uh, so what we're going to do though to start with this morning is get jump straight into the Bible. We love starting there and uh, we're going to actually look at Mark 11.15 is where we started and it's the story about Jesus entering the temple and it's, it's a great one. So let's kick off together. It starts Mark 11.15. When they arrived back in Jerusalem, Jesus entered the temple and began to drive out the people buying and selling animals for sacrifices. He knocked over the tables of the money changers and the chairs of those selling doves. And as he stood, stopped everyone from using the temple as a marketplace, he said to them, The scriptures declare, My temple will be called a house of prayer for all nations, but you have turned it into a den of thieves. And when the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him, but they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. And that evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. I love it. I love to, we all love to think of Jesus as that like character that's flipping the tables and there's a whole heap of memes about it, which are really funny, but it's just, it's his character of Jesus that's about the pursuit of justice for God and his kingdom. And it's an incredible story because it's in a way that we often think that's not a good way of nature. But when it's in that holy mode of justice, like you were kind of saying on the weekend, it's actually a very um, holy way of approaching something. And so it's different to how we understand it normally. Uh, But I also loved how you're talking about the context and and telling us a little bit about actually how these... these. People were being thieves, and you were mentioning how the money changers were stealing from people giving money, and how they were selling animals and stuff. and And sometimes I even I heard um, when I was studying they would sometimes sell them the sickly animals, so that they were actually sacrificing the the not for pure animals they were meant to be sacrificing. So they were cheating God in that way too. And so all these ways that they were actually. Um, robbing people and robbing God. And that's what you were mentioning. And it actually led to a great question, which we're going to start with, I think. That'll be a great place to start this morning that someone asked us. And it's almost a modern interpretation of how these sorts of things can happen. And that's a good way of putting it because we need to start thinking, well, I don't have a cow at the front door of my church to bring in so that we can sacrifice it. But we do have other things that if with the wrong intentions or whatever it might be, can be misconstrued. So why don't we start with that question, actually?
1: So we've got the question. So the question is, where is the line drawn with church merch as a money-making business for churches in today's day and age? Is the merch used for church to make a name for the church? At, uh, sorry. Is the merch used for the church to make a name for itself or is it to glorify God? How do you make the distinction? And so I guess then we could even further that question to how does any sort of money coming into the church, does that glorify God? How do we make the distinction between the church just earning money or how do we make the distinction between it glorifying God? Mm. <laughs>
0: Take us with your wisdom first, yeah. please. <laughs>
2: The money changes. They were changing the money for the temple tax and the temple tax in itself wasn't an issue because they needed to raise money to maintain the temple. So... It's reasonable to expect that we're going to need to raise money to maintain the premises, to employ people who are doing ministry, for outreach, for all the sort of services that we offer.
0: That's And, and this is a big temple too, right? Like you've been there. It's a it's not just like a even the church hall that we have or or your standard church building. Like this temple is almost probably the size of Hillsong campus, right? Yeah, and so imagine huge. like the garden maintenance and stuff yes. and all those sorts of things. You put it into perspective and it's like this takes manpower to just even keep it as it is, as exactly. a good place for God.
2: Yeah, and you want this this place of worship to be in a really good condition because it's a reflection of our love for God. So you don't want it to, you know, get dilapidated. You don't want it to look like nobody cares about it. You, you don't want to look like... People aren't maintaining it because this is an expression, and particularly in, in uh, the Jewish culture, of the center of where God is and where God is worshipped. And I think, but I think the same is for us today. If you drive past a church and it looks like it's run down and no one really cares about it, then you think, hmm, I don't particularly feel like I want to join that bunch of Christians.
0: Yep. And so if you push that further, and to come round to the question at hand what's the distinction
2: so the distinction is really the heart and and we can't really see the heart and, and that's the problem for us because we look at people and we judge people. We judge people on what they're wearing. We judge people on what they drive and where they live. And we think, well, look at all that money that you've got that you're spending on those sorts of things. You know, like even going getting your hair done every month or having a facial or, you know, all those sorts of things. You think, well, why don't you spend that money on the poor? Um, and so I think it's, it's something that, we jump into all the time and we easily judge people about how they're spending their money. But ultimately, it's between myself and God. It's between each individual and God. What is God saying to you about how you use your resources, the resources that he's given you? And I think if we come with that attitude that everything I have is from God Almighty, and how does he want me to use it? And how will I serve him in that? And I'm not going to do it perfectly and I am going to stuff up and I'm going to do selfish things.
1: <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite humbling to know that even in the, when it's just you, it's God's, God's also there. He also knows. You know, he does. He's the one that can see it. Yeah. And what you're, you're all about. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And ultimately, it's God that we are to please and we're not there to really to please other people. So if people are saying to us, well, you know, you're spending too much money on your, um, you know, your, your broadcast quality stuff or you're spending too much money on your, um, you know, musical equipment. That's really something that we've decided before God in how we want to spend the money that he's given us. Um, but to other people, it can look like it's frivolous that, you know, really we should have given that money to the poor because that seems to be the immediate need.
0: Yeah, and I think this is a very – how we've answered it so far is a very personalized – this is about your position with God and how he's blessed you with money and what you should be convicted or not convicted to give to or how you should spend it for yourself or whatever. But if we start to – if we think about it on the other side, which is as a church community – which is starting to tap into some of that question about the church merch and and different fundraising opportunities or stuff around that regard, we actually need to start considering what's the heart of the church. And I think the massive distinguishment between what was happening with the, the time where Jesus flipped the tables and what we'd like to believe we're living in with at least our community Um, is that the selfishness, the self-absorbedness, the the profit for themselves and stuff, that was the major priority there. And again, I agree with that heart stuff. And the heart of New Beginnings needs to be what is actually making a missional impact in our area, in the greater area. What is it that we're using our money for that's actually going to bless the kingdom of God? And so if that's our heart, then having a t-shirt maybe which uh, goes out for sale not that we haven't really got any of them, but it might be a good idea. But, uh, but say that's there as a fundraising technique so that then we can do something which it's, is feeding the homeless or it is actually providing deeper opportunities to grow into our faith. Say it's the opportunity like COVID's done to p- develop an online platform. Well, um, to be able to reach the remote, which is helping another church community or to help those that are in chronic illness so they're bedridden so they can't come out to church. Well, those things are developing the community beyond and blessing the community beyond with the intention of bringing God into the places that can't be touched. And so I think the massive distinguishment again is if the church is looking to sell merch for the sake of selling merch so they have a reservoir to which they can spend on nice looking things so we have the best presented church so it's all about that not that a good presentation is bad but if it's purely just for the heart of looking like it belongs on Instagram or TikTok or or just that someone walks in they're like wow that's an incredible sight to see that's the wrong heart and again you you've got to ask yourself what's the missional purpose, you know, and, and that's why we have such an emphasis to make sure and this is why part of having our council um, to, to have that group which actually decides together, it's not just an one person saying this is the direction but actually these things will bless the community or they'll bless the church or they'll be able to take people further. And I think that just reflects the heart of Jesus' teachings in all these moments is it's not about what they're doing is necessarily wrong, but it's always about the heart of the person's wrong. And so those things are the wrong things.
1: Yeah. I was just going to, as I was sort of thinking, thinking then as you were saying that, I feel like a lot of individuals when we, when we look at either charities, non-for-profit organisations, um, they always like to see what the organization is doing, is whenever they want to sort of give their money to a certain organization, they want to know where that's going. And so, there's, and so the ones that I think a lot of people sort of lean to, um, whether that be um, for in sort of Europe, like our own country, like for either homeless or different sort of organizations or outside of the country going into like mission work there, I think we um, – those that really want to give they they almost need that security of where it's going because they don't want to be cheated on they don't want to find out that you know this organization's heart is not in what they originally thought and I think then coming back to us individually us as the church um is 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 that transparency is also important for Mm. for people as as well so that Mm. we have a transparent heart to be able to say is what this is what we're doing and we and we kind of want to be proud of it you know we want to be proud of going out into the community and and doing all this great great work and and doing doing it all Mm.
2: um
1: you know because i don't think anyone we we don't want to have and this i think this is what comes back to i think last week's message is we don't want to have that perception of not of um doing uh not being fruitful in our in our lives or just be hiding behind closed doors we want your money from this, but you're not going to see any of the work that's being done.
2: Yeah. Yeah, I think transparency is a really important thing. And I think also like we we do tend to talk about organisations as if they are their own beings, but organisations are made up of individual people. And so I think as individuals it's important that we all are feeling that we, we know and understand and appreciate where God is taking us as a group. And within that, to listen to the voices of people who maybe are not in line with that because sometimes it's the voice from the outside, like John in the wilderness, that is actually telling us the truth. So that transparency, that willingness to be sort of open to hear what people are saying, that willingness to be led by God is absolutely essential in all we do. Yeah. Mm.
0: Absolutely. It's very powerful.
1: Very powerful. I mean it's not some, I mean sometimes even us ourselves, we don't want to hear when we're falling. No off the path.
2: absolutely not. No, it's hard to hear. Yeah. you know to have a rebuke from God is tough. It's like a spear in the heart. <laughs> but it's better that than you know to lose uh, faith, to lose life, to lose love, to lose that dedication to God. yeah
1: And I always think what if, 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 if Jesus was to come into our own temple or our own church or even just for us personally what what tables would he be flipping (laughs) in your life
2: Mm. exactly i think that's a really good question to ask and i think it's something that we can ask you know daily you know where lord have i set up sin in my temple where have i started to go astray what am i doing that's really just about me and not about you yeah
0: and this is super reflective in the next part of the passage if we actually start to look, you start to see how the, the Jewish leaders at the time actually are finding that challenge, really, but they don't want to change. And they're actually starting to just proactively work against what Jesus is doing. And they, they probably know what he's saying is right because he's preaching from the same scriptures. He's bringing the, bring it back to the heart of it all. Absolutely. And so they're, they're probably getting an awareness of the truth But it's changing their positions of power. It's changing their positions of status. It's changing their their societal value. Uh, And he's calling them to, he'll eventually call them to wash feet, you know, um, which is the lowest of low action. And and so they start to actually plot to kill Jesus. And I wonder if we can even just bring those last two verses up again, uh, just so that we can, we be fresh with this as we move into this second section. Because it's really, as we're saying, this heart posture And actually the change of um, when we've been challenged and convicted to actually which way do we react to that. Uh, And so it goes like this. When the leading priests and teachers of religious law heard what Jesus had done, they began planning how to kill him, which is in itself against the Ten Commandments. But we won't go down that just yet. But they were afraid of him because the people were so amazed at his teaching. And that evening, Jesus and the disciples left the city. So even they're so caught up in their selfishness, the self-absorbedness of what they're doing to the point that they're already going to go against God's moral law of do not kill. These are meant to be the leaders of the time.
2: And they're more afraid of the people and what the people will think than they are of the fact of Jesus telling them the truth of Scripture.
1: Mm. I mean, just mind boggling to sort of think that no one sort of went no that 's either a good good idea or whether or not like oh that person might have something called to stop and consider actually, maybe we should listen or for that sort of process no their first their first thought was let 's get rid of this person Yeah. You know, it's, it completely snuff it snuff out any sort of challenge you know no no sort of going away and thinking about it, sleeping on it, sleeping on it, you know, and then make a decision in the morning. Mm.
2: He was he was seen as such a threat, such a threat to their authority because clearly they had allowed this and allowed it to continue and enabled it. And Jesus comes and says, No guys, listen, this is not right. And you know, I would have liked it if I had actually turned up a table, because the noise of it and just like the the chaos that it creates, like it would have been, you know, amazingly, you know, noisy and Rout and crazy
0: and… Dramatic. It would, have been, it would have been sensationally dramatic. But I think what's incredible is we sit here and now we judge the, the, the Pharisees. Mm. Yep, absolutely. You know, and, and it's, it's this… Yeah. We're like, we got the 2020 years of hindsight and, and we, we know that Jesus raises from the dead. We'd read this without that stuff. And we got the Holy Spirit now and we have that ability to understand deeper but if we think about it and we put it into a contextual situation of similarity uh we can even talk about stuff like well how do we react when god convicts us on something like envy Mm. or desire you know and and is it to the point where you hold yourself to the like no i'm not going to change or is it actually to the point where you, you are so open to God moving in your life and the awareness of that and being like, I'm going to try And it's a try thing because that's a thing about temptation. It keeps coming back. It's not just once you beat it once, it's disappearing. It's, it just keeps coming back. And, and it, it's actually about saying, like we looked at about back in uh, Mark 6 or something, are you going to continue to live in sin, which is actually the unforgivable sin, or is it that you're going to try and move on from that? um
2: Yeah, and it's forming good habits. So these guys were in such a pattern of life that this was their very this was their reason for being they were the leaders they were they were the top of the class they were like this is where they got all their glory from and they weren't getting the glory from god and we can be the same we can fall into these habits where we we satisfy ourselves by the things we do rather than turning to god to truly satisfy that deep deep need in us and look we all do it i mean it's just part of being human but when God convicts us and we realize that we're doing something that's actually, I'm doing this because it makes me feel good. But in fact, it's not something that God wants me to do. How do I then turn and change that habit and and make that, you know, 180 degree shift and say, well, Lord, help me not to do that anymore because I want to walk in your ways.
1: I think 90% of those habits or 90, 80% of those habits, we, we, we know we have them and we know and we... And we feel this sort of strong conviction of like whatever that may be. We always feel sort of maybe, and I know at least for myself, speaking of myself, is that you just feel that sort of like, ugh, about it. Like, cause, and, 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 I, and that's more like, and I don't know whether or not you guys do too, but like for myself, I always feel that you know it's wrong. You know that it, yeah, this, that's this, right. it's, a, it's something that you shouldn't be doing. and. But then you've got the, I think the the ten percent of the twenty percent of those habits which you don't know that you're doing, and you need yes. that conviction to come in yeah. through, uh, you know, whether that's coming through God through, like just just it comes to you, or someone else through, like God working through someone else to mm. convict you. Mm. And, that, mm.
2: Mm. and I think we can only do it with the Holy Spirit. Like that's the only, if we just you know say grind our teeth and we're going to you know not do this, then we're really doing it on our own strength and it's not going to last because we can't sustain that. But if we if we say God, I want to work with you, help me and help me change, then I think we see how God can come in and really change that need within us because instead of that need being satisfied by that, it starts to be satisfied by the living water. Mm. Mm. Mm.
0: Yeah, and and the living water is just such a great image because water is refreshing, it's cooling, it's relaxing, it's cleansing, it cleans you, it it, it even uh, purifies. It's pure, you know, like not all water is pure. Obviously, it's swampy water. But if we start to take the image to that length, you know, and and that's really… what what will flow through us, you know, and and then we start to think about that into what we like to focus on here in terms of discipleship, you know, we we love to uh, think that you can do it on your own strength, you know, or and that's what what we're trying to say is no, you can't. Like you you actually need that living water. You need the Holy Spirit to come in, and your job isn't even at the end of the day to be the one that convinces them to become a Christian. It's actually you're just there to facilitate what that living water looks like, and that will flow on, you know, and go on to the next person. And so, I guess my question for you guys outside of this is an application. How 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 do you read that that passage, Jesus cleaning the temple, and then actually uh, having the the response of the Pharisees at the time, and, and what's your reaction to that what is it that you find you need to change in yourselves or that it makes you feel convicted to move into from this these readings well i have to think about that (laughs) on the spot you have to just go josh (laughs) i'll kick us off if you want and i think for me it's just personally this big thing to actually ask jesus to continually turn my tables And it's actually, because I think a lot of the time, and sometimes you just know, and we mentioned that, but I think there needs to be a permission as well. Like, Not that Jesus won't do it anyway, but if you allow him to do it, he'll do it more intentionally. I think so for me, um, or you might even be more aware actually, it's probably a better way of saying it, that Jesus is knocking those tables. It's just continually in my prayers when I'm reading the Bible, when I'm having conversations with people I trust to actually be aware of where they might be hinting that you need to have that table topped. You, you need to remove this aspect of your life or you need to try and uh, not allow that to be the entertaining factor of your life.
2: And I, I think we do need to give God permission to work in our lives because he is very respectful of us and we can easily grieve the Holy Spirit by not listening to him, by not responding to him. So I think that's a really good thing that you say, Caleb. I, I think for me, one of, the, one of the things that is sort of a constant in my life is that I have great plans. I have really good plans
0: I've heard them. They're fantastic.
2: And and they're really good and they're really good for the kingdom of God and I think that God should really follow those plans. And often, I don't know why, but he doesn't do it the way that I want him to do it. And so that's a continual thing for me to sort of always bring that Bring that before God, and say, oh, "Okay, sorry, I've just planned out things again for you, Lord."
0: <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure He has a good giggle with you too when you when you're formulating how God can work in His ways.
2: Oh, look, they're really good.
0: But it's oh. a fantastic thing you raise because it's that that even in that, and while you have a bit of a, a laugh with it, there's a real attitude of humbling yourself before God, and that's ultimately what it is. Correct me if I'm wrong. Is that? even when you've constructed these awesome ideas for the future and the plans for God to do and move you still say not your will but my uh, not my will but your will be done you know and that's a, that's a lovely attribute yeah.
1: not to get discouraged mm-hmm. by when plans do change you know yes. i think it's easy to get discouraged uh, from, absolutely from, from all that yeah. i think for, sort of reflecting on the question i think for me because i really i mean i really love the um being able to just to ask that permission in, in in your um of god to flip the table for you but i th- i think for me i think it's, it's a big one is to then you don't have to do it alone and that you ask for help and ask and and get the community the people that you trust and because and you don't just have to bear the weight all on your shoulders i think f- for me it's it's i i feel like some a lot of the time i'm like no i can do this for myself uh, but it is to actually ask for that, that help because we've got to put people in your lives that are there for you.
2: Absolutely. Amen. Yep.
1: Mm.
0: Mm. Mm. There's some great reflections to end on, I think. That's a great place to leave it. So we're actually going to wrap it up. But Kerry, would you mind praying for us as we just uh, go into the rest of our, our week and uh, to the next time we meet together?
2: Oh we we thank you father for your word we thank you for this beautiful story of Jesus and his actions lord god and we just come before you now father and we ask we we give you permission to turn the tables in our lives lord just just place your finger on those the parts of our lives which are not pleasing to you and lord help us to to want to be rid of that sin that's in our temple lord god as we go from this place, Lord, we, we pray that our eyes will really be always turned to look to you, that we will sense the presence of the Holy Spirit convicting us and teaching us and guiding us and that, Lord, you will bring us to read your word so that we can be filled with your living water. Amen.
0: Amen. Amen. Well, guys, it's been great to have this chat. We hope that uh, you guys have been... Um, encouraged or convicted or challenged, even uh, through these these conversations. But uh, again, let me just say, if you have a question, put it in. That would be great because we'd love to answer it for you. Uh, if you if you could also a sneaky uh um, what's it called? Chuck in. I can't remember the words. But if you wouldn't mind liking, sharing, or subscribing to whether you're watching our YouTube or the podcast, um, that does a lot of great for not only us because it lets us. Um, know how like what we're actually reaching and whether these things are good but it's also great because uh, hopefully this message can go out further so if it's encouraging to you odds are it's going to be encouraging for someone else too so that would actually be really uh, great but we uh, thank you for your time and we'll be praying and thinking of you all and uh, we look forward to the next time that we catch you shalom shalom (laughs)